Hello, good morning, welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. My name is Jennifer Lee Vaughn and I am your HIV positive host and today I have a special interview to share with you with my buddy from across the pond, Mr. Stephen Hart. He is from YouTube's Heart Talks. Um, Stephen and I have been connected since I think 2017 is when we sort of found each other through the internet and we'll talk a little bit about that and he's also HIV positive and he's got his own YouTube channel and I did an interview with him back in the day on my YouTube channel when I had no idea how to do a side-by-side interview so I literally set up my tripod over my shoulder filming I don't even know I think I filmed the back of my head or something and him on the screen since then technology has come around and uh, we can now do side-by-side interviews so easily so without further ado this is my interview with Mr. Stephen Hart and I'll be back next week with more stories for you thanks so much for tuning in you guys love you bye here's Stephen how are you? I'm good, Jen. How are you? Good. I haven't seen your face live since uh, 2018, since Amsterdam, probably. Gosh, yeah, it's been that long, hasn't it? It's crazy. <laughs> Almost been four years. It's crazy, years. isn't it? It's crazy how the last couple of years have been and, and how it doesn't seem like it's been that amount of time. You know, it's crazy. It has gone by super fast. I know, I know. I can't believe my diagnosis was like six years ago. Like it just happened uh, in February. So yeah, it's, it has gone by really fast. So yeah. yeah, so you're you're in the UK. Where do you live again? Are you in? I'm in London. London, okay. London, yeah, yeah. So a big London town. So um, yeah. And you just saw a play today? I saw a play today. I went to see one of my friends who um, I was in a show with many years ago. So it was lovely to see um, people still doing it and still, yeah, it was lovely. It was really good. What was it? It was a play. It was a new play called Broken Wings um, and it was and it was based in Beirut. Um, It was about a love affair and how it couldn't be because of cultural, but, you know, political, all those different kind of things. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, pretty tragic, but um, but at the same time, it was it was good to see. It's, it's I always love seeing new stuff. So yeah, it was it was so English of you to tell me that you were going to be at the theater first, and then you'd be off later. I'm like, that's so I don't know. That just sounds so UK. Like I we just don't have that around here. I'd have to go to San Francisco. So see that. Cool. that- that's why I always say, Jen, I always think, oh, should I, you know, is the time come to leave London? But to not be able to do that for me would be, it would break my heart, you know, to not be able just yeah. to go, you know, to an afternoon performance of something. So, totally. um, yeah, so, so yeah, it keeps me here. Nice, nice. So I, um, I just want to go back a little bit to tell people like how we actually originally met. Um, I did a YouTube video, obviously, five months after my diagnosis, I put that out. And then somewhere soon after I come, I don't even remember how it happened, but I either saw your video or you you saw mine. I don't know, but we connected. Do you remember? Honestly, it's like, I don't remember how, I don't remember how it was either. Actually. I can't remember what that initial contact was. Um, I can't even remember Jen. No, it's yeah. It it seems like such a long time ago. Um, I, I can't, I can't remember how it happened. I feel, I feel we've, We've talked so much over the last couple of years, you know, with messages and things that 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 that, that how we actually first connected with each other has gone has gone out of my head now. 
Totally. Well, I was like, okay, this guy has a YouTube channel and he talks about HIV too. So like, I was like so stoked. I'm like, there's someone else out there doing it also. So yeah, so we connected and then obviously we finally met in person in 2018 at, at uh, Amsterdam 2018, which was, yeah, I was so, oh my God, I was so tired that day, but yeah, it was awesome. So your YouTube <laughs> channel is called Heart Talks. Heart Talks. Yep. So, um, so it's just, it, basically it's, um, it's a mixture of HIV related stuff, it's um, theatre stuff, it's um, and just shining a light on different people and their lives and because um, I just think we get to we, we get to understand people better by by learning about their lives and um, and I, I, I every time I interview somebody it's it's a whole new learning process for me so it's um, so as well as being you know really useful and interesting for me I hope that it does that for other people as well. Totally there's like I remember doing a USCA and um, it was all about just storytelling uh oh what's his name Kawada Paul Kawada I think that's his name mm -hmm. he runs those USCA's and I just remember it was like the whole time we were there it's like get people's stories everybody needs yeah. to hear stories because we can all relate to stories so it was like really important to do that I have always remembered that I was like yep hearing other people's stories because we that's how we relate so that's they're so powerful totally. aren't they so powerful I interviewed you uh years ago it was maybe like 2017 and i didn't have the setup like this and i was yeah. like i remember putting a camera over my shoulder to film both of us on one screen it was so ridiculous it was terrible so i have interviewed you once on my channel but it's like so far back in the archives like i'm really glad that we can do this again so it's like bumps it way up you know five years um and it'll also be on my podcast so yeah but so we did go over um but for anybody who hasn't seen that video, I definitely want you to like tell your story again, tell everybody like what happened with you and how um, you contracted HIV. So it was 2006, Jen, and um, I, I always say it was just like any other day, you know, it was, um, I was meeting up with a friend. I'd, I'd recently come out of a long-term relationship and um, I was meeting up with a friend to get a bit of TLC. Um, and when I met him, he was in the middle of arguing with his girlfriend on the phone. So they were, we'd gone to this bar and um, he was on the phone and he would be in the bar and then he would go outside to talk to her and then he would come back in. And this went on throughout the evening, you know, and, um, and, and the third time or so that he went outside, I ordered another two drinks. And when he came back in, he said to me, Stephen, I can't stay. I've got to go. He said, she's, she's packing her bags. You know, I need to leave. And he said, what are you going to do? And, and I remember thinking, I remember feeling a bit pissed off with him, you know, because I was like, well, I came to get a bit of TLC, you know, and um, so I just said, well, look, I'm going to finish these drinks. I've just bought them. I'll finish the drinks and then I'll go home. And then, um, and then it all became kind of cloudy and it, and it all happened really quickly. I suddenly felt very, very drunk and I knew that I couldn't have been that drunk because this was only my second drink. Um, so I, I remember my head feeling really, really heavy and, um, and not being able to look up, but hearing a guy's voice saying to me, do you need some fresh air? And then I woke up, um, which, which seemed like what seemed like seconds later. Um, but it was actually a whole 12 hours later. 
and um, I went to, to stand up to, to go to the bathroom and um, my legs gave way and um, I had to drag myself along the hallway to the bathroom and eventually I could stand up and I managed to turn the shower on and I was getting undressed because I thought if I have a shower I'll feel better because I felt shaky, I felt sick, I felt all these, you know, I felt very strange. Um, and as I started to get undressed, um, I saw that my jeans were covered in blood and my underwear was covered in blood and the backs of my legs were covered in blood. And um, I just, I, I remember collapse, as, as cloudy as things were, I remember collapsing on the floor and just screaming and saying, no, how can this have happened? If this, you know, I kind of knew what had happened, but I, I didn't remember what had happened. So it was all so, so confusing. Um, but so you then, were in the bar, but you woke up in your apartment or? Okay. In, in my, in my but, apartment. But yeah. don't even know how all of it, you blacked no, out, just totally blacked no, out. Okay. The, the last thing I remember is that guy asking me if I needed to go outside and have some fresh air. Um, and that is it. Um, and so, so I, I, I then went into the shower Jen and it's always something that people say why and how and but the thing is my my skin I felt like my skin was 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 falling off my bones you know I felt I felt toxic I felt on fire um and and I did what you're told not to do I washed away evidence um and then I called the hospital the hospital called the police I was picked up and taken to the hospital and um and they, um, sorry, my cat's meowing in the background. Um, okay. And and, um, and and I remember, I, I remember all these doctors and nurses and people coming in and out, and um, nothing really sinking in until this doctor came in and said to me that um, from the blood work they had done, they had found rohypnol in my blood, and rohypnol was the date rape drug at the time. Rubies, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, um, and then he said, from the physical evidence, we can tell you've been raped. And I remember there was this really nice Irish nurse, Jen, that had been sitting holding my hand. And um, I remember my mind literally, you know, when you hear those words, you've been raped. And, and, and the fact that I couldn't remember hardly anything at all about the night before, you know, um, it, it was just so confusing, but that really nice Irish nurse squeezed my hand and she said, all your blood tests have come back clear. She said, so you're fine. She said, but you must come back in three months um, for a second HIV test. And I left there and didn't go back for six months because I just went away to do anything I could possibly do to remember what I couldn't, to forget what I couldn't actually remember. Um, which is really weird, but, um, right. yeah. Um, so they were not doing PEP back then. Um, it was just when PEP was, okay. was coming out, but I just kind of, I was, I, I literally think I was six months, um, oh out, out of the window, you know, of, of being, of, of PEP being available. Um, so I, so I wasn't given anything like that. And I went away and spent six months just, just drinking and and doing drugs and doing anything I, I i was just looking for something to to try and numb the pain of what had happened can i just and then, ask and this is not blaming mm -hmm. you at all but was prep around at that time did anybody even know about that because like 
I know when I was diagnosed, somebody told me, oh yeah, there's something that um, more often gay men take for, uh, you know, so they don't get HIV. I remember somebody telling me that when I was first diagnosed in 2016, so it felt kind of new in 2016. So was it even spoken about in 2006? wasn't even spoken about not okay. even meant not even mentioned there was Got nothing it. um I, I was i was literally sent on my merry way you know to to carry on with my life and then i was just told the only the only instructions i was given was three months you must come back um and i didn't go back for three months i didn't go back for six months um and when I did go back, I wasn't scared. Um, I felt that the worst that could possibly happen had happened. Um, so I went back on my own and had my test. And it was in the, the old days where it took two weeks for a test to come back. Yeah. You know, so I, I went away for two weeks and didn't worry. Um, wow. and, and then went back for my results two weeks later. And the doctor said to me, I'm so sorry, but the person that raped you was HIV positive and you now too have HIV. Wow. Wow. Before, before we, I got to ask you, of course, how that felt to get that diagnosis, but had you had any symptoms at all? Prior, nothing. nothing. Wow. No, okay, wow. Uh, you, you know, you, you hear about people talking about um, zero conversion and, but I don't, I, I think what was happening, Jen, was because I was, um, because I was drinking so much, you know, um, and I, I kind of wasn't aware of how horrible that I might have been feeling, you know, actually physically, you know, so I, I always, I always think maybe that was why I didn't realize that I was zero converting, you know, um, but I, I don't remember anything like that, that, wow. that gave me, that gave me any clues. Wow. So, so, so as I say, six months later, I went back and I wasn't, I wasn't scared. I, 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 yeah. I wasn't worried. So you got the diagnosis and you felt okay? How did you take the news? Really? Oh no, I I, oh. I, I th when I got the news I was oh, devastated. Okay. I was yeah, yeah, say, but, okay. yeah, but I ju I just mean physically I didn't have any signs or symptoms or anything that that anything was wrong so I didn't I I, I just I yeah, I just wasn't ready for it. I wasn't prepared or because as I say the worst the worst thing that could possibly happen to me had happened um, so I, I just thought I, nothing worse can happen. Um, and it, and it did. Yeah. So, um, and I was, I was, I was, I was devastated. I was, you know, I, I always talk about the world stopping, you know, it just stopped. Um, and, and I literally, you know, the, the, the doctor was had to, had to, to take squeeze my hand you know to to bring me back you know in into the room you know um where it was happening because i just yeah i just left my my mind and my body and you know and um and then when when i did come back i just we had a thing here in the uk jen called section 28 and it was where throughout my whole schooling um the government had implemented a law where there could be no training or teaching or mention in school in the school system of being gay or but but that included it, you couldn't know about gay writers you couldn't know about literature you couldn't know so there was nothing you were not allowed to say you know the words were not allowed to be uttered by teachers you know um, so really all I knew about HIV and AIDS was 
Freddie Mercury, Rock Hudson, you know, the, the people that had died, that was all I knew about HIV and AIDS. So of course that's what I thought was, was for me. So this is 2006. I know when I was diagnosed, I was told everything's going to be okay. You're going to live a long life. There's great medication. What are you told 10 years prior? What do they tell you? To be honest, I, I can't remember because I know I left there and I wasn't put on treatment because again, it was in the days before um, here in the UK, you used to, um, your T cells had to be um, at 200 and then once they went below 200 that's when you when you were put on treatment yeah so it's, it's not like that anymore obviously but um, that's the way it used to be so I left the hospital and I just spent the next two years just I think I, I wanted help but I didn't and there was help out there I just didn't know where to look and I don't think I, well I know I wasn't ready um, so I just spent two years, uh, I always tell people that I listened to far too much Whitney Houston and looked on YouTube for somebody like me, you know, and, and as we both know, you know, the only people that were like us that we saw was Pedro, um, who are, you know, who from the real world, who I'd always remembered watching, you know, long before I was diagnosed and thinking, oh my God, what an amazing person. But obviously Pedro died, you know, and so I just was looking for people like me and just, I either wasn't looking in the right place or I just didn't know where to look. Um, so it was, a, it was a very, very scary and lonely two years. I can't even imagine going to, are you getting checked periodically? Are they checking your blood, monitoring uh, it? Um, my bloods were being taken every six months um, and I would go have my bloods done and leave. Um, I, I was not, I was not willing to, to even, although I wanted help, I wasn't willing to take help at that time. So um, it was oh a really weird, it was a very weird, weird place to be in. Did you know um, what your original viral load was in CD4 count? I don't remember. Um, it's I, yeah, I was told, but I don't remember what it was at all. I just, um, I just left. I left the hospital, and I went home to die. That's oh that's what God. I that that's what I went home to do. Um, and I spent I spent the next two years waiting for it to happen. You know, um, until I woke up one morning and thought, shit, it's not going to happen anytime soon. You know, um, and it wasn't it wasn't until then that I started to start to started to live again you know did you tell anybody in those two years that you were positive well what i'd done is i hadn't told anybody except my doctor um the, the, the doctor at the hospital mm -hmm. and my very best friend um that i'd been raped so the, the, they were the only two people that i had told about the rape and then, Jen, six months later, finding out that I was HIV positive, it was awful because I was feeling as if I was hitting people with a double whammy. You know, mm -hmm. not only do I have to tell you that this terrible thing happened to me, but I also have to now tell you that I've got HIV, you know. So, um, so for the first, for the first um, year, I didn't tell anybody. And then gradually, after a year, I started to tell people. Um, so yeah, that was that was interesting in itself. You know, the the d different people's responses in two thousand and seven. You know, um, what people what people did know and what people didn't know. You know, so did you did you date at all during that time? 
no, not at all. I kind of um, dating after after the rape, dating was off the table completely for about for about three years. But that was more about um, the the, the uh, mentally um, how I felt about being touched and all that kind of thing. You know, there was there was a there was a there was a real stopgap there for for a number of years. But that wasn't even that wasn't even so much due to HIV. That was more just down to to how you feel after something like that has happened. Did they ever catch the guy? They interviewed me, they, 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 did, they took a statement and there were a number of rapes, gen similar rapes that had happened in, in my area. Um, again, Rohypnol, um, you know, people waking up in different places, not, not having any knowledge of what had happened. And um, so there were a number of different rapes and um, the case is still, it's still open. Um, it, it's, it's, been, it's been 16 years now. Um, so, yeah. Do and you, it, go ahead. I, I just, you know, and I know it, I struggled with it for a long time because for the first couple of years, it, there was so much blame you know i blamed myself mm -hmm. what was i wearing what was i seeing what had somebody overheard me in the pub you know all these different things what had I, what had i done wrong you know so it was my fault all my fault um for the first couple of years so it wasn't until i started realizing that it wasn't my fault that i started to be able to to start changing the way i felt about me and dating and the future and things like that but but yeah i think i think you you always blame yourself especially because i the only evidence that was on me was on my would have been on my body and i washed that all away um so that was quite hard to deal with at the time but at the same time now i look back on it and think well you had to do what you had to do to survive Stephen, and that's what it was for me at the time Women, I know women obviously um, are, when they're the victims of rape, there's a lot of empathy towards them. Do you feel as a gay man because this happened to you and it was another man that you don't get that same sympathy or empathy? I remember one of the policemen saying to me, I didn't know what to call it, Jen. I didn't, mm -hmm. I, I, at first I said I've been sexually assaulted. Um, and he's, uh, no, first I said I, I, I think I've been raped. And he said to me, but you're a man you can't be raped and I remember that you know sticking with me and I remember you know and when they wanted to do follow-up interviews with me and things like that I was just like no because I kept I, it was it just instilled the guilt in me mm -hmm. of 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 what I'd done wrong you know um so it it's, it's been weird because I never wanted to be the poster poster boy for for male rape but at the same time I feel it's important to talk about it because I have so many men contact me Jen it's unbelievable that the amount of men that contact me and say the same thing happened to me and that that it's a, I, you know my story is the same as yours and things like that so um so I I feel that there's a there's an underground kind of network of men that understand and um but it's st it's still quite kind of not spoken about really um yeah so True. it's true i yeah. feel like it's not and i i've always known your story but um i honestly i don't get people that reach out to me that say that but i'm glad that they feel comfortable to reach out to you yeah. obviously that wouldn't have happened if you didn't put your story out there on youtube 
Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's about three years later that you're feeling more comfortable with the diagnosis and sharing it. Yeah. So, um, so I was diagnosed in 2006, um, 2000, the end of 2008. Um, I started, I, I, I knew that I had to do something, but I didn't know what I, what I had to do. And obviously my background is as an actor. Um, I worked in London and on Broadway and, you know, all over. Um, I've done things all over. And, um, and what somebody, somebody suggested um, just off the cuff, just said to me, Stephen, why don't you write your story? And I thought, who's going to want to hear my story? You know, I was like, it, I, you know, um, so I didn't really think, I, I didn't really think anything of it, but I thought I would try it, but it was completely for me, Jen, there was no, I had no intent of ever sharing it with anybody. Um, and I started writing about, about my childhood. I'd been adopted. My mother was schizophrenic. My father was an alcoholic. So growing up as, you know, as a child was really, it was chaotic, you know, it was really, really um, it was insane, you know, to, to, to think back, at, you know, what I went through as a child. And um, I thought I'll start writing about that because so much of my life had been secrets. You know, I, I had to keep it a secret that I was adopted. I had to keep it a secret that my mother had schizophrenia. My adopted mother had schizophrenia. I had to keep it a secret. All these things were secrets. And then, of course, when I was hit with HIV, then um, it was another thing that I had to keep secret or I felt that I had to keep secret so um so I decided to write about all these secrets um and as I say for nobody else but myself um I just thought to have to have these things written down you know one day maybe somebody would find it after I'm long gone you know and think wow you know um this person's life was was this you know and um and that was, you know, I was, I was quite happy to, to pack it away, you know, um, but my agent asked me, you know, um, I'd shared my, I'd shared what had happened with my agent and she asked me what I was doing to, 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 to try and heal. And I told her I was writing. Um, and one day we, we met up and um, she said, can I see some of it? And I thought, okay, you know, so I gave her my, my, my books of what I'd been writing and she went away and she contacted me at half past one in the morning, Jen, um, which is very, you know, it does, just doesn't happen. And she just sent me a message and she just said, oh my God, she said, I am sitting here in floods of tears. She said, you have to, you have to do something with this. You know, you have to this story is so powerful. It's so important. It's so necessary. Um, she said, so, and I suppose she planted the seed for me to turn my story into a one man show. Um, so my one man show shadow dream was, was born. And you did that first in New York or did, was it in London? No, first in New York. Yeah. So I took it to New York because I thought if it, if it's a huge flop, it's far enough away, you know, that, 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 that nobody, that nobody will know me, you know, um, no, nobody will connect it with me. And, um, and it was crazy. Cause I remember my first audience, there was six people in the audience and I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? This is the biggest mistake, you know, that I've ever made. Um, because obviously it spoke about all my, it, it, it kind of 
opened the door on all these secrets. And it also talked about the rape and it also talked about me being HIV positive. And, um, and it was amazing because, the, you know, the, 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 there were six people in the first audience. And then, you know, the, the following day I did a show, there was 10 people and every day I did a show. And this was before social media was a big thing, you yeah. know, it was, um, and so it wasn't like you could, you could post about it on Instagram and, 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 you know, Facebook and Facebook, everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it was kind of, it was kind of early Facebook days. So, um, but grad, every single day, every single performance, Jen, there was a, there was more and more people. And then I found that people would come and, who'd seen it before and you know a girl came up to me and she said I brought my mother to see this show she said it's so powerful it's so important and it was then that I started to you know I opened an email account um, for people to find out when the show was on and you know where it was going to be happening next and things and um, and I also I, I hoped that if I got one month in New York, that I thought that would be something that I would have done something if I got one month in New York. Um, Shadow Dreamer ran for nine months and it closed off Broadway, you know. Um, so, and, and every single time there was a performance, there was more and more people. And then I had to start saying no, you know, I had to start saying to people, there's no more spaces in this performance, but if you come to the next one and, and the amazing thing about it was, Jen, which is like what you said at the beginning about our stories, I realized that I would get back to the apartment every night and I would open up the email account that I'd set up for people to find out about the show. And people had gone home and they had written their stories and they had sent me their stories. They'd shared these stories with me. And it was only then that I realized the power of our stories and what they can do for people and how just for one person that might be all they needed just to say, okay, I can, you know, um, and, and there were so many stories with so many wonderful, powerful, sad, emotional, you know, brave, different stories from people. And it just, it blew me away. I I would be, I would get home every night and I would read the, read these stories and I would just be like, wow wow you know I feel like something is happening here this is a yeah. big deal yeah 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 totally and how long did you um it, it's literally like a over an hour long monologue I mean how did it go because you're the only person up there yeah so an hour and 10 minutes of me um telling my story um so you're just it, is it the same every time like exactly word for word or do you Oh my um, it, it, it's, it's, it's 98% the same every single time. Um, you know, it's, um, of some, uh, sometimes you would, I would have to gauge the audience, you know, and you would see that, um, you know, if you had a younger audience or if you had, um, you, you know, so it would, it would kind of vary slightly, but only very slightly. Um, so yeah. So nine months of doing that, um, was, could you, was, could you do it again right now? If you knew it, like, could you get um, on stage? I would probably, it's been a couple of years since I did it. I, I did it here in London about three years ago. Um, and it's, um, so I would, I would need to, I would need to just, it would be the running order that would, would be the thing that would confuse me just because, because, because I've lived it. Um, it's, it's weird because I think, gosh, you should, you know, but, but yeah, it, it was, it was, I ate, I 
ate, drank and slept it, you know, for, for nine months. So it was, yeah, I kind of feel like it was carrying, I felt like I was carrying a child, you know. And now there's even more to add to it because the journey never stops, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, Shadow Dreamer finished in um, 2011, was the, the, it finished in New York. Um, and then I did it here a couple of times in London. Um, so, but, but yeah, there's been so much happened, you know, in the last five years alone, you know, um, so th there could be a whole, there could be a whole nother, you know, chapter to it, you know, if, if ever I decided to go there. So how did you, okay, so you, that kind of ended, but when did you start doing the YouTubing? Um, it's actually, um, going to be six years next week. Um, the 26th, 26th of March is going to be six years um, of YouTube. And I think, I think I came back from New York, Jen, and I just was, I was, I was emotionally and mentally and physically, I was just, I was exhausted um, because you don't realize how much the, 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 um, the emotional and the, 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 the just the uh, not the stress but the the toll it, it takes you know because you're getting up there every time and you're telling your story and you're opening your heart and sharing it with the, with the world which is wonderful you know I, I love doing it I don't regret it for a single day but it after nine months I was just I was wiped out and I came back to London and so many of the you know, I, I call them the shadow dreamers, you know, the, the, the people that followed me and came to see every show and was, were at so many of the performances. Um, and they kept in touch with me on YouTube and, uh, sorry, on uh, Facebook. Um, and so many of them kept saying to me, Stephen, what's next? What's next? And I really didn't know what was next because I'd come back from, from New York. I was back in London. Um, I, 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 I'd been away from being a normal actor, you know, from doing my musical theater or doing what I'd, I'd been trained to, you know, I'd been away from that. I'd done something completely different. And I know as wonderful as a shadow dreamer was, it wasn't recognized, you know, I, I got a write up in the New York times and all these kind of things, but it wasn't, it wasn't looked on here as, um, as something you would put on your on your resume, you know, it was, um, uh, you know, just because of because of what it was talking about. So, um, so yeah. So I came back, and people just kept saying, "What what's next?" And I didn't know for I'm, I probably spent two years humming and hawing and thinking, "What do I do? What do I do?" And obviously, as I said, when in those two years when I was looking for somebody like me on YouTube. Um, YouTube was there in the back of my head, but I was scared. I was scared that, that nobody would watch my videos, that nobody would, you know, um, so I kind of put it off for quite a while. And then I went on holiday and, um, I was sitting on a beach one day and just watching the sunset and something inside me just said, Stephen, it's now or never. And I came back to London and I went, right. I said to my friends, I'm starting a YouTube channel and they all went, oh, that's great. <laughs> you know, um, and that was, that was six years ago. That was March of 2016, right? Yes. Okay. So I was diagnosed in February of 2016. So you started it a month later. 
Mm-hmm. And then I started mine five months later. So I started mine four months later. I remember seeing you, and this is like very vivid in my mind. I remember watching you and you were outside and you were filming yourself walking. And I thought, oh my God, this guy's so fucking brave. Like he's outside talking to a <laughs> camera. He's passing people. I'm like, I got to step my shit up. I'm like, that's like, <laughs> that's insane. I'm like, I, I was like so impressed that you were just walking through the streets, passing people, speaking so comfortably, so comfortably into the camera. And I was so, I admired it so much. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. That's so scary. <laughs> like I could do it in my room, but that was special for sure. So that caught my eye. And then again, I don't remember how we got connected, but I just remember thinking, man, he's brave. Like he's fucking walking around talking in the camera. Like that's what you got to do. You know, I still don't do that. I mean, I do it around my neighborhood, like Instagram and stuff, but YouTube, I don't think like I would really, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> and do you know, do you know, it's weird, Jen. I didn't, I didn't, um, I, I remember starting, as you say, it was in the March. So I knew that I was gonna come, I'd come out publicly, you know, as, as living with HIV and, and what had happened to, to thousands of people in the States. Um, but I always, I always remember somebody saying to me, once you put it online, it's always there. So I knew that I, knew that I was going to come out as being HIV positive. But I also, because I started it in March, I wanted people to get to know me to work out who I was, to all those different kind of things first. And then I, I came out publicly on World AIDS Day um, that year. And, um, and, and I spoke about what World AIDS Day was and that this is what HIV looks like now, you know. Um, so, so, yeah, so it was a kind of, it, there was a plan there um, in the back of my mind. It's December 2nd, right? Or is it first? First. Sorry. Okay. So December 1st is World AIDS Day. So then I found you after then, because I know when I found you, I knew you were HIV positive. So maybe I found that video. Maybe that's the first one that I saw. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. So that's the end of 2016, which is exactly when I found out about you equals you. When did you find out that you couldn't uh, transmit it? I sim- undetectable. I probably probably exactly the same time, Jen. Wow. It was too, it was, it was definitely 2016. Um, and my doctor told me, and she, it was so funny because she told me and it kind of, she was talking to me. I've had my same, the same doctor um, ever since I was diagnosed. So um, she's been, she's been a part of my life for 16 years, you know, so, um, and, and at this time she, she mentioned you equals you as if I knew what it was. And oh. then I was like, and I, I, I had to say to her, I said, Rachel, what, what does that mean? Um, and she went, oh, my God, you don't know what you equals you is. And I, I suppose she thought because I was talking publicly about living with HIV and all these kind of things that I'd knew, I knew. So I didn't know. I had no idea. And yeah. And then she told me and I just remember I remember leaving the office, her office and coming home and sitting on the couch and thinking, is it true? It, is, is it real? And then I thought, but she's told me about it, so it must be real, you know. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of mind blowing. You went ten years, yeah, without knowing. Yeah. Like that makes me so emotional. I didn't have yeah. to go that long, so yeah. I can't even imagine what it felt like for ten years to like think that you were a threat. I felt radioactive, Jen. You know, I my biggest fear was 
to pass it on to somebody that I loved or, or pass it on to anybody, you know, whether it was a hookup, whether, you know, I just, I was so scared, you know, I think if I could have worn three condoms, I would have worn three, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was so, I was so, that was my biggest fear. So for somebody to tell you that you cannot pass it on is, as you know, it's just, you know, I, I felt like dancing in the streets, you know, it was just, it was unbelievable. And it, and it changed, it has changed the whole way that I look at who I am and what I can do and where I can be and what, you know, um, yeah. Incredible. How, how was dating before you knew about you equals you? It was tough. It was tough because I always had that, um, when is the right time to tell, you know, do I tell at the beginning? Do I wait until we've had a couple of dates? Do I wait until we sleep together? All, you know, um, and there was never, I never knew what the right thing, what the right thing to do was. I never knew, you know, um, so it was difficult. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I kind of always stressed about it. I, ne- I never did it at the beginning because I was always scared that somebody would say, well, I don't want to be with you. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't strong enough then to, to take that. So I would leave it. And then I would, it, I would, it, it would become more of an issue for me because I'd left it, you know, and then I thought, what happens if they say, why, why didn't you tell me at the beginning? So it was, it was tough. Um, and it was tough because I think people's knowledge of HIV, um, however well informed you think you are, and and I speak for myself here because I thought I knew what HIV was. Um, uh, uh, you know, when I was diagnosed, I thought I knew what it was and, and everything. Um, I didn't know. I hardly knew anything. You know, um, I, 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 there were so many things that I had to learn and educate myself on. Um, and then, as you know, we become educators, whether we want to or not, you know, um, you suddenly find that you're, you, you know, you're giving people pep talks on, on, on what you can and can't do. But, you know, um, I always said to people, well, you know, I would rather you ask me because I know, you know, and um, so, yeah. Did you have people that could accept your diagnosis that you dated? Um, yeah, th- I, I probably... In the, in that time, I probably dated about four people, um, mm-hmm. and um, two I had two good results, and two, you know, w- one of the guys was, you know, he he just he just blanked me for weeks, you know, and and then he contacted me eventually after he'd been for an HIV test, and mm-hmm. I was like, I said, but you know, if you'd spoken to me, I could have explained, you know, but, um, but again, Jen, he, he knew what we knew from the eighties, you know, um, and, and, and wasn't aware of how far things had come, you know, and how different, how differently we treat the virus now and, you know, what it is now compared to how, what it was. Did you come across anybody who also had HIV in those 10 years? Um, yeah, yeah. I had a really good friend who um, who was actually positive um, a number of years before um, I'd become positive. So he was the first person that was in my close circle that I ever knew um, that had HIV. And, um, 
and I, I look back on it now and I, you know, it, I kind of feel sad about it, Jen, because it, 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 I realise now that I, I remember going into his bathroom and washing my hands and, and thinking, should I use the same towel? And all those stupid, outdated things went through my head. Sure. And I, but I thought them, you know, because, because I wasn't educated enough. Um, and um, so, so, so when I was, you know, when I became positive, I didn't tell him for the first two years at all. Again, I didn't tell. Um, but, but eventually I told him and he said, why the hell didn't you tell me? He said, I could have helped you. I could have. And I was just, I, I would just, yeah, I was just so scared of, of, of living with HIV. You know, I just, I, I just didn't know how to live with it. So, um, yeah. Wow. So, so your doctor finally tells you and how did that change? dating from then on out. I mean, I feel like for me, one of the most um, asked questions is about what's it like to date with HIV. And I say, well, when you're undetectable, you can't transmit it. So it's like we have, it, we're out, we've stepped it up. It's, it's much easier now, but do you feel like that made a big difference? Yeah, I, I feel, um, you know, it, it, it took a bit of time for the, for the information to sink in and for me yeah. to to be able to look at the partner studies and look at the, the, the evidence, you know, and speak to Bruce and, you know, and, um, and, and find out, gosh, this is, this is real, you know, but once I knew that it was real, I felt like I wanted to tell everybody, you know, I just felt as if, I just felt it, as if it was a second chance. That's how I felt. Um, I, but it, it was also amazing how much pride I suddenly found that I had in in me and my story and um and living with hiv because i think when you when you feel like you're you're a threat um you you feel that you have to protect other people from yourselves you know um i didn't feel that anymore you know and i felt like i felt like i just wanted to go out and have sex you know it was just i was just like i can do this you know my my, my doctor said you're undetectable Stephen. you you know and i was like I still, I still just couldn't get it into my head and, you know, and she broke it down, you know, and she really broke it down for me because she was like, I want you to understand this, you know? Um, and, you know, I was looking at all these things going, this is real. So it was, it was, it was amazing. Um, yeah. That's so awesome. And for those that don't know, Bruce Richmond is the, um, basically the man who headed this whole movement of you equals you. I talk about him all the time. Um, but yeah, there's five studies that back um, all of the U equals U findings that I thought when we saw Fauci in Amsterdam, I always thought it was interesting that he stood up there and said, you know, we always knew that when a viral load was lower, the odds of transmitting were it correlated with it. The viral load went down, the transmission rate went down. And he said, but we just needed the studies to back it. And they can confidently say anything under 200. It's there's no risk at all. So it was just amazing to get that information. Yeah. 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 Unreal. Terrence Higgins Trust, are you involved with them at all? And that, and also somebody I watch on TikTok had mentioned that when you have two undetectable bloods, as you call it in the UK, we say, we say I guess we say lab work, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But you guys call them bloods. When you have two in a row, then you legally do not have to say anything to a partner about having HIV. Can you clear that up? Yep, yep. So you do not have to, um, you do not have to, tell anybody your status um so if if, if um if they ask it's it, it's up to you whether you disclose or not um the only the only thing is that you just have to not be 
a, um, a deliberate threat to anybody. So if you were not undetectable and you were out there deliberately going around sleeping with people, for, so that would be that would be somewhere where you could be charged. And you know, um, but otherwise, Jen, no. If you're undetectable, then then it is nobody else's business what what you know whether you have HIV or whether you don't have HIV um and obviously so it's a personal thing to disclose if you if you want to um and it's it it, it I suppose it's um for me now I suppose very much like yourself Jen you think if people don't know that I have HIV then you're living under a rock you know because it's where we talk about it constantly you know but um but yeah it's um so I feel I feel as if everybody that you know that I, I come into contact with must know one way or another um <laughs> but yeah it's 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 definitely made it easier for me to to talk about my you know living with hiv and um because i think once the threat the 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 threat goes then um then there's it just feels different so um so yeah i'm very very easy to talk about it you know yeah i feel like in some ways we have an upper hand because we're publicly stating it all the time so if we were lying about that why would we be talking about it publicly it's like really easy to see that i talk about it all the time why would i be making this up you know so i feel like it is easier in that way. Um, and that sometimes I think I don't want to say anything. Like I don't, I have waited. Um, I have waited be, mm. like in the moment of like kissing and stuff before I've said anything. And I thought, would I go all the way through without saying anything? I think that's, I'm, I'm a bad advocate for not saying something. I know in California, I actually don't have to say anything either. Um, if I had intent to transmit, if I yeah. had a viral load and I knew that I possibly could, I mean, we know women, the odds are very low mm. as it is, but it's, but that doesn't matter because pe- HIV is HIV and people have the same thoughts about it. So, um, but if you had intent to transmit, meaning you knew that you had a high viral load and you were trying to give it to somebody, then it's a six month um, jail sentence. It's a misdemeanor. I'm not even sure yeah. it's a jail sentence, but that's what it, it was reduced from a felony in California for, it was an eight year jail sentence to down to a six months misdemeanor. And a lot of people are really unhappy about that. Of course, these are people who are not HIV positive um, yeah. and they just, but you know, the laws caught up with the science finally in California and I'm really happy about it. I feel like the United States in general is I mean, I get that question nonstop on my social media. Did you sue him? Did you sue him? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, everybody wanted me to sue him. I'm like, yeah. okay, first of all, he didn't know he had it. So there's that. Yeah. What am I going to gain by suing somebody? I still have this. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess I do feel for some people that, you know, it's a different situation like yourself. It was out of your hands completely. You know, you, you were not able to protect yourself in any way. There's mm-hmm. wives who have gotten it from their husbands who yeah. are going out and having sex with other people and then they bring it home to the house. And now, and well, you're married to them, but you know, there are people that, um, there's a girl, Shauna Davis, who's from the UK. Yeah. I don't know if you know Shauna. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, that was her child's uh, father. She was with him for 12 years. He was having sex with men, men and women. He knew he had HIV and he gave it to her and he said, oh yeah, yeah, I have it. Like he didn't even, he didn't tell her. So it's like, I can understand her wanting to take a legal route with him because he did change her life forever. He put her at risk without her having any idea. What are you supposed to wear condoms with your, your son's father for 12 years? Of course not. So there are situations where I feel like, yeah, legally it it would make sense, but the criminalization, I guess in general is what I'm trying to get to in California or in the United States. I feel like 
it's still really an issue here. There's a lot of criminalizing HIV, which in turn affects everybody with HIV. But I feel like in the UK, it's not so it's stressful. Like I feel like people are a little bit more laid back and that isn't, there isn't all these people going, you gotta sue. I mean, it, am, I, is, am I interpreting that correctly? I think, I think suing Jen, and th- th- I could be wrong here, but I, I always remember when I lived in New York and there would always be the ad- these adverts on the television for, for suing and for, you know, um, taking people to court and all that kind of thing. I think it's a lot more of an American thing to do than, than a British thing. I think, I think, you know, in the last couple of years, we've, we, people have been more aware that they can sue and that they, these things can, you know, um, so, so, it does happen slightly more now, but definitely, yeah, it, 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 you know, jail sentences and things were, were, were very rare and, you know, they had to be proven that it was, it was somebody that was out there to, to cause you harm, you know, um, by, by, you know, by, by not disclosing. Um, Yeah. But, you know, obviously that, you know, you, you you think back to the eighties and think that, um, that, it, it was a completely different story, wasn't it? You know, that you, you, had to, you had to tell your partners then. You had to tell people you were sleeping with. Everybody wanted to know what each other's, um, you know, uh, blood counts was and things like that, you know. Um, but, but now I just, I just think, you know, we've, we've passed that, you know. Um, you know it, it, and as, as I always say, we're the safest people to be having sex with. You know, because we know, you know, we're on top of our sexual uh, uh, health, you know, and um, so it's, yeah, yeah. But it, it's just making people aware of, uh, aware that it's not the gay disease. It, you know, that's, that's something else we, we still struggle with here, of it, it, of it being, despite the fact that heterosexual um, transmissions are higher now in the UK um, than than the than they are in the gay population, so um, so more straight people are getting it. Um, so it's it, but it it's still there's still those old ideas, and and unfortunately, I feel as if I'm constantly shaking the tree to to to, to shake those those ideas out. But um, I but, heard a yeah. TikTok on that. I heard that the reason the rates are higher is because the gay community is way more educated and they're on prep. Yep. So they're stopping the transmission where the, yep. H- the hetero com- community isn't so much on, on board. And so it's still happening. And uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah, that was, that's, a, that's an interesting study that just came out um, out of England. You know, Brittany Ann Blakely, I was going to say, um, I've interviewed her and her case was somebody that she uh, had, she was with who had given it to several other women. He's aware that he has it. He's not taking his treatment like he should. He doesn't tell anybody. So in that case, like, I feel like, he is, he keeps giving it to people. Like they have the, the county knows about this guy. So like in that case, I could see why somebody should be, something needs to be done because he keeps yeah. giving it to people and he doesn't exactly. care. Yeah. yeah. So there are cases like that where I'm like, yeah, like I could see like where it needs to have, like there needs to be a stop to it. Mm-hmm. But um, so are you, are you involved at all, at all with Terrence Higgins Trust? Yeah. So I'm a positive voices speaker. So okay. um, it's a, it's a, it's a scheme that the that Terence Higgins have where we go into schools, colleges, businesses, you know, in the last year, I have spoken to everybody from 
um, local schools to um, I did a I, I did a, a talk to Saatchi, you know, um, the, all the all the employees of Sa the Saatchi um, group, you know, and um, and then we have banks and um, building societies and all di all really. It's amazing the different uh, people, then the different companies that um, you know. We we recently had the um, the the uh, drama on one of our TV channels called It's a Sin. Yeah. Um, so that so that has really sparked um, businesses and companies to be more aware of of what HIV is and what the differences are. But um, but yeah, so I've done a lot of lot a lot of talks um, over the awesome. last. Yeah, yeah. So I go in and do, um, I do a 15 minute talk and then we do a Q&A and, um, and it's great. And it's a really, it's, it's, it, it's great for me to feel as if what I'm doing, it, what, you know, that my story oh. is still useful. Um, okay. So, and Terrence Higgins is a man, they named the, um, this is an ASO, basically an AIDS service organization. They named it after Terrence Higgins, who died of AIDS back in the, I'd say 80s or 90s. 40 years ago it's it's the 40, it's the 40th anniversary of Terence Higgins trust um uh, this year so um Terry Higgins was uh, uh a guy and he he was one of the first to die from aids and um he uh yeah and his friends were felt hope, helpless and hopeless you know because this this disease had come in and and stripped uh, you know Terry Higgins of his life, and also so many of their friends around, and that's where the Terence Higgins was born. You know, um, the Terence Higgins Trust was born, and um, now forty years later, they are the. I think they're the biggest um, HIV um, organization in the UK, um, mm -hmm. and they they just they just are out doing so many different things, and uh, it's great. It's great to be. I feel you know. I feel very proud to be a part of. Of of being part of of that team, you know. They go by THT on um, Instagram, and uh, yeah, you guys, it's amazing. I I don't feel like we have anything like that in the U.S. I've I have not done any speaking like that at all. That's amazing that you're involved with that, and they're continually actively doing that. I people always say you should speak in schools. I have reached out to my local schools, and mm. they haven't they haven't said yes. Like I don't know what to do. I've reached out to the colleges. And um, yeah, I think it's maybe because I, well, I would miss a day of work if I did it. You know, that was the, that's the nature of subbing. I can't miss a whole day of work. So I did ask for a stipend, but they, so that, I don't know if that was just, they couldn't do that, but it's unfortunate because like, we shouldn't have to speak for free either. I think like, yeah. you know, I know that um, Hydea Broadbent talks about that a lot, that we are living this life, we're sharing our lives and um, we get asked to speak in uh, certain ways, like through podcasts and stuff. And of course we're doing this for free because that's, that's the way it is. But yeah, I feel like there's not enough uh, interest in paying us to talk about our stories. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. And I remember, Jen, when I first came to, when I first brought Shadow Dreamer over to New York um, and the, the first audience that saw it um, were, were part of the New York Department of Ed because it was the New York Department of Education that ended up sponsoring me um, because obviously I, I was looking for a sponsor to, to give me a home for the show. Um, yeah. And um, the Department of Ed wanted to take on this story and give me a space um, to perform it for their students, but they wanted to know if I would take out the HIV line 
um, the story. Um, oh and, I, and, 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 and at first I, I thought about it and then I went, no. I, I just thought if I, if, I, if I can't give you the whole full honest story, then I don't want to do it. Um, right. And and they 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 went back on what the you know they looked at it and went okay we we just wondered you know um, so so yeah so and that that was two thousand and eight two thousand nine so um, so uh, you know I think the I think I think the Terence Higgins have built a, a great um, structure in the UK for for talking about it you know right. um, so so yeah it would be great if you guys had a similar um, you know, something similar, wouldn't it? It would be, I know. We just don't, I mean, we have ADAPS, the AIDS Drug Assistance Program, mm. um, and I'm involved with their advocacy um, association, but we just meet as like fireside chats and stuff. We don't go around and speak because we're all over the country, but yeah, it's really just up to us individually. I, I mean, that's as far as I know, but mm. um, okay. So I want to ask about the number one question or maybe the number two question, which I'm sure you get this all the time is how much is your medication? I don't know. We get that all the time in the U S do you get that question all the time? Um, well, if, if it's people from other countries, yeah, that, that question does come up. Um, we are lucky here in the, in the, in London, um, well in the UK, <laughs> We currently have the National Health Service, the NHS. Um, they are not in a great state, to be honest. It's, there's been a lot of issues and problems with the National Health Service. But um, because HIV is classed as a life-threatening condition, uh, meaning that if you don't have treatment, that you will die, um, then... that Because I'm also diabetic, so my, my diabetes comes under that that same um, that same umbrella um, mm -hmm. because if I wasn't having insulin I would die so um, so luckily um, you know we don't have to pay for medications we pay the ne the National Health Service is is um, is funded by t um, it comes off our tax so we're taxed okay. and the money and the money goes to the NHS so um, but you know it's it's great that that I don't have to worry about you know medication and how i'm going to get it or how i'm going to afford it so so that's so that's uh, yeah i feel very lucky for that. good good so of course there's a lot of talk about cavanuva now the injection and you know somebody that i know who's on the east coast she's starting it and she said her doctor told her it's once every three months now mm -hmm. i know they changed it from once i know you guys were always every other month we were we yeah. started with once every month i don't know why it was different in the u.s and then it, like just since i've seen my doctor since his last appointment it came through some you know stories on the internet oh no it's every two months now but now somebody just told me no her doctor told her every three months so what what do you know and are you going to do it um so i i knew that it was every two months um mm -hmm. and if I got the option to do it, Jen, then definitely. I think the the rollout here um, seems to be slower, um, mm -hmm. you know, because obviously I, I I've heard um, uh, Cyber Homo and uh, yeah. t talking and uh, about you know on, on your channel, obviously talking about you know his his journey with it and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I think I, I've heard of more people um, in the states. Um, being on it than I've heard of here. Um, but if I got the opportunity then, then yeah, I, I think, I think I, I, you know, I think the fact of, um, 
for me, adherence isn't an issue because of being diabetic and because of being on medication all my life. Right. Um, I, I think I found it easier, but I do know, I do have friends that are positive who miss doses more often than not, you know, um, and, and I, I'm like, how, how, how can you forget to take it? You know, you take it before you go to bed, but it's just, people are different, aren't they? You know, so, so, but um, I, I definitely think that, you know, to, to, to have the, you know, to have the access of, of every two months or even every three months, you know, having one injection um, and then toddling off. And um, I, I just think for traveling, for, you know, because for, for, for traveling, when I, when I first went to New York, you know, I was so scared, Jennifer, because, I you know, it was... I had to take my drugs in in vitamin bottles and you know be, because there was still still back then um in New York you had to declare your HIV status you know oh my uh, fucking god yeah in t- yeah 2008 you still had to declare it and um and and so I but if you did declare it then it was always going to be on your passport um so people were saying you don't want to declare it you know it's you know and they can refuse you you they can refuse your entry and all these kind of things so i didn't i i i didn't declare it um and i brought all my meds into the country um which which wasn't easy when i came it came um you know for um i had i had to come back to london um when i found out i was going to be staying in in new york longer um to 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 collect more meds you know um but but now, obviously, that that law has has gone. But um, you know, yeah. uh, so. Um, but yeah. What I think is that if you're on Cabanuva, it's so great for dating because you can say, "Well, yeah, I go to my doctor; they give me an injection." So then, no one has to have that worry that, "Well, what if they don't take their pill?" Which, of course, why would I not take my pill? It like keeps me healthy. I don't want to ever have fucking AIDS again. So, like, mm-hmm. I never, I don't get why, why. Like, first of all, somebody else put on my TikTok. They made a comment like if someone's going to share with you that they're HIV positive, like they for sure are on their shit because exactly. they, it's not fun to share this information. We're obviously, you know, it's part of yeah. our life. So I think, but I think for like dating, it might be like a real good security blanket for the negative person to think, Oh, well they go to the, their doctors actually in control of their body because they give them this injection. And I know that they're safe. Like, so I think it might be a really good thing for, for disclosing and stigma, hoping, always hoping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great, isn't it? That you know that you think you know. Even if it's just the fact of carrying tablets around with you, or and I, I know people who who have said to me. They're, they're worried about people finding their tablets, you know, flatmates or things like that, you know, um, fly, finding their tablets and things like that. So and I just think, I think, gosh, the injections are going to be great for that, you know, because you, you go, you have your injection and then you toddle off for three months, you know, and just do, do Amazing. you, you know? Yeah. I didn't even think about that. You're right for traveling. I, well, I, it's never been an issue. People have asked me about traveling. I've traveled. I've actually been to the UK, but only to go from one airport to the next. That was all I saw. But like, I've been to those airports. I went to Amsterdam, Mexico, and Canada, and I've never had. And I don't. I don't know where it's an issue. People always ask me, you know, can I travel with my medication? I'm like, oh, I don't. I don't think anybody has a problem with it. I think you can't work. I know in Dubai there, you can't work mm. if you have HIV, but I think you can travel. So, mm-hmm. but maybe I don't know if there's places like in the Middle East or I don't know. Yeah, you? exactly. I, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I do know that I had a guy from Jamaica email me recently and say that he is 
petrified, you know, because he can't travel, he, he can't travel for work and he needs to travel for work, but he can't let anybody know that he's HIV positive. And obviously, um, you know, he takes medication, but he takes it secretly. And I, mm-hmm. it, it broke my heart, you know, because I just thought, God, I thought we're so lucky to to not have those 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 concerns and those worries, you know. But um, mm-hmm. so there are, there, I'm sure there are places in the world that it still is is still an issue. Yeah, I still don't know. I haven't had anybody ever contact me and say I was stopped at the airport. They found my medication and I couldn't go in. I've never had that conversation with anybody so i i don't know but there are people that are definitely terrified to travel so um okay so i unless there's anything i haven't covered but i um let me know is there anything else you'd like to talk about i do have one last question i don't think so <laughs> okay so for newly diagnosed what do you think is like the most important thing to share with somebody who's newly diagnosed um i suppose i suppose what i, I would like to do is just give them a big hug you know, because, because it's just, it's such, you know, I know people that have been, that have been diagnosed in the last couple of years, you know, and, and they still have that same fear, Jen, they still have that, I'm going to die, you know, Mm -hmm. and it seems to be not, I know not for everybody, but, but for a lot of people, it's still, even in this day, uh, even in this age where we are so far forward and we have got medications and we have got you know they're talking about injectables and all these kind of things but st- people still have that fear of of, of i'm going to die i'm not going to make it and i would just want to say that you will and you can live and survive and thrive and be you and be happy and be and you know no goal is unobtainable you know because of hiv don't ever let anybody tell you that you cannot be or you cannot do. My, my first agent when I came to London, um, it was when um, it was, uh, I don't know if you know, Jen, uh, I don't know if they're, how popular they are in the, in the States, but a, a group called Eurasia. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. hell okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. So Andy Bell, obviously from Eurasia, the lead singer, came out in 2004. That's right. That's right. Living, yeah. living publicly. And I remember being in my agent's office, not, not, my, not my good agent that encouraged me to write. It was my first agent. Um, and Andy Bell had come out and she, and I remember, always remember my agent saying to me, nobody with HIV will ever work in the West End or ever work on Broadway. And, um, I just would like to say that that is complete and utter crap, you know, yeah, yeah, it is not true at all um, because you can do and be exactly who you are and what you want to be because um, you will get through this, you know, it's not, it's not the death sentence that it was. It's not, it's not at all. It's hard to comprehend that now you're, you are associated with those three letters, but they do not define you and your life is not over. It's uh, just something you just have to, it's a process of accepting it and realizing that you're still the same person and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose Jen, mm -hmm. I suppose Jen, what what I'd also like to say is just thank you to those people who came before us, you know, because I, I, you know, I know we both, we both have a love affair with Pedro Zamora, you know, totally. um, and um, but but you know the the people that that told their stories in the beginning and made it easier for 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 me and for you and for so many others to um, I 
I don't know if I would be sitting here today if it wasn't, you know, for the likes of Pedro, you know, well, so thank, thank you. Don't you, them. don't you feel like I get goosebumps thinking about it because we watched him back in the day, never realizing we would be, have the same virus. Never in a million years did I think I'd be talking about it like him. I always feel like we're doing it because we, we're stepping in for what he couldn't do. You know what I mean? I every, always think that. Every time I stand up in a school, Jen, and I, I, I think back to, to what I saw on The Real World, and, um, and I, I always just think of Pedro. I just think, I'm doing this because of you, you know? And um, so, yeah, it's, um, yeah. It, we feel can I feel connected to him. This guy that I was so amazed by. It's like wow. It's just this. It's crazy in my head. Or Freddie. I mean, don't you feel that way about yeah. Freddie too? Yeah. 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 Exactly. They 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 live on through us, you know. And I think I think continuing to tell our stories is honouring them, you know, because because oh. obviously obviously Freddie for Freddie was different. He he wasn't able to, you know, he was you know, he wasn't able to tell his story and yeah. you just think, oh God, if only, you know, but you know, um, yeah. It was fucking tragic that it mm. came out the day before he died. Like unreal. Oh. Just to know yeah. that he had that and he was holding that in and working so hard up until the very end, you oh. know? Yeah. Yeah. Super. Uh, so sad. Okay. Well, Stephen, yeah. thank you so much for doing this. We've been yeah, talking about it for a while. We just had to make the plan and do it. And we did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah. yeah well, it's yeah, so yeah. good to see you. And I, we'll meet again in person at some point. If you're ever out in the we US, you never know. Or maybe I'll be, I need to take a trip to the UK. Like I said, I you went do. from airport to airport. And that's my, that's my, um, that's my heritage. Yeah. I'm, I'm English, Irish, Dutch. So it's like, I was there and I remember getting on the, the, uh, the, I don't know what it was like a bus that took me from one airport to the other. And all of a sudden I realized I was driving on the left side <laughs> and it like hit me. I'm fucking here. I started crying. I was like, these are my people. Because like, I'd only seen it on TV. But to, to be there and be on the other side of the road was freaking, I don't know why, that just hit me so hard. It was amazing. So yeah. anyways, well, thank you so much again for doing this. And um, people can find you on Heart Talks on YouTube. H-A-R-T Talks. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. All That's right. Me. Stephen, well, I love you. Kisses. I love you too, Jen. Take care. Thank you. Take care. I'll see you later, okay? All right. Have a good night's sleep. (laughs) Bye. Bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.